Father, I thank you that you are a good God. I thank you, Lord God, that you are exalted on high. You are high and lifted up, O Lord. You are the King of kings. You are the King of glory. Father, we bow down before you this morning, O Lord God. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory and all the praise. You are the King of kings, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, that you are exalted on high. You are our God and you are Father. And there is no one else, Lord, besides you. So, Lord, we come this morning to worship you. We come to adore you, O Father. And, Lord, as we come in your presence, O Father, we ask, Lord God, that you take charge and take control, O Lord God. Father, I commit myself to you, O Father, and ask, Lord God, that you use me this morning. Use me for your glory, O Lord God. For, Lord, you are the king above all kings. Lord, you deserve all the honor. You deserve all the glory and all the praise. Lord, as I pray this morning, O Father, I commit this service into your hands, O Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you will speak to us, O oh Father, as you have already started speaking to us this morning. Lord, I lift your name on high and I exalt you. I pray, O oh Father, that, Lord, as, as I speak, Lord God, you will speak through me, O oh Father. I pray, Lord God, that everything that is going to come out of my mouth, Lord, will be from you, O oh Lord God. If it's not from you, Lord God, let me not speak, O oh Father. Lord, I pray, O oh Father, that, Lord, all ears will be open, Lord God, all hearts will be receptive, O oh Father, and they will hear your word, O oh God, and, Lord, you will be exalted exalted, O oh Father, for Lord, you alone deserve all the honor. You alone deserve all the glory. We praise you and we honor you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. The title that I've been given for today is Comfort for the King remedy for stress. And this couldn't be a more fitting title uh, for me to bring today. Over the last uh, two weeks, uh, on a uh, fortnight ago on Tuesday, I lost my uncle in South Africa, and he was a very pivotal part of my life. And he was buried on Friday, and yesterday morning, I woke up to a message that uh, the last member of my grandfather's family had passed away, and he was the only remaining one. So if anyone is in need of comfort, uh, that would be me this morning. When you fall into a situation like this, you fall into what Mark uh, said was a weight that's weighing on you, and that has been weighing quite heavily on me over the last two weeks. I did say uh, during one of the prayer meetings that if it were not for the Lord, I would probably have gone into depression, I would have lost it, because with the current restrictions, you can't travel, and I would have wanted to be with the family, but I couldn't. But it is all because God is God and God is good. David says, I'll look up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So when you are facing that time of trouble, when you are facing that weight that is wearing over you, there's nowhere else that you need to be looking at but looking at the Lord. He is your very, source, your very present help at your time of need. So as I come this morning, I'm bringing to you Psalm 
31, we are continuing on the Psalms. And David is crying out because he has got a weight that's weighing over him. But he knows where he needs to cry out to. He knows who he needs to cry out to. And he knows that when he cries out to the Lord, the Lord hears him. The Lord rescues him. So this morning, I am here to bring that hope that uh, you've been talking about. God is our source of strength. He is our source of joy. He is here for us. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. So as we come here this morning, let's come knowing that we come to a God that loves us. Let's come knowing that we come to a God who is for us, not against us. Whatever we are facing this morning, let us know that our God is for us. David cries and says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And we see him here in Psalm 31, starting from verse 1. In you, O Lord, I've placed my trust and taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, rescue me. Incline your ear to me and deliver me quickly. Be my rock of refuge and a strong fortress to save me. Yes, you are my rock, you are my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. For you will draw me out of the net. You'll draw me out of the net that they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength and my stronghold. Dave spoke uh, two weeks ago about how David was writing prophetically about Jesus in his message. He was writing about the king who was to come. He didn't know that he was writing about that. And Keith last week spoke about, Keith spoke about uh, how Jesus is being manifested in the Psalms. So we are reading this psalm thinking that David is writing this psalm about himself, but David is actually writing about Jesus. Jesus is clearly manifested in the psalms and we can clearly hear the voice. This is a, a, a familiar voice that we hear in the New Testament. He says, into your hand I commit my spirit. That is verse five. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth and faithfulness. So that verse we hear Jesus say in Luke 23, verse 46, as he was dying on the cross. And the same words are also repeated by Stephen when he was uh, being uh, stoned to death. Both of them are confident that even though they are suffering at that present moment, God himself is going to rescue them. He is going to fill them with the weight of his glory, as Mark was saying. He is doing that so that he can be glorified. Jesus' death was not in vain. Jesus' death was to bring us to life. So when David cries out, he is crying out to the one who can truly rescue him. He is crying out to the God who knows his heart, to the God who knows all his weaknesses. So today, when you cry out, know that you are crying out to a God who knows your enemies. 
in the same breath as David cries, he speaks about how he hates those who pay attention to idols. Many a time, we tend to focus on other things other than God. I was having a, a chat last night uh, with Mark, and we were talking about how easy it is when we are facing uh, difficulties, when we are facing trials, to run to other places other than to run to God. I do that. You probably do that as well. Sometimes when we do that, we don't realize that by so doing, we are engaging in idol worship. And God hates that. He says in Exodus 20 from verse 4 to verse 6, you shall not make yourself any idol or likeness that is form or manifestation of what is in heaven or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth as an object for you to worship. You shall not worship them or save them, for I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous, impassioned God, demanding what is rightfully and unique, uniquely mine, visiting, meaning avenging the iniquity, sin or guilt of the fathers on the children, that is, calling to the children to the account for their father's sins, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing graciousness and steadfast loving kindness to thousands and thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So we might do things and not realize but that by so doing, we are laying a case on our children. So we need to be watchful and mindful of what we are doing. We need to watch out those things that we do and, and show that we don't lay that burden on our children to the third and fourth generation. As I mentioned earlier on, it is easier to tend to other places with the, when we are faced with situations rather than tend to God. Whatever your comfort is, whatever the comfort it is that you tend to, that becomes your idol. If you run to chocolate, you'll see that you're spending more time eating chocolate than focusing on God. I, I run to chocolate sometimes. And uh, I feel I'm really overdressed today. The, the reason... The reason why I am dressed like this is I couldn't find anything on my wardrobe that could uh, sit nicely on me without, <laughs> without uh, showing all the calves. <laughs> and that is because I've been running to chocolate. <laughs> that is because I've been running to crisps. I've been running to peanuts all those things. If you go into my office right now, you'll find lots and lots of those. So I'm saying, let us tend to God and let us not tend to those things for comfort. God is a God 
that cares for us. God does not want us to trust in idols. God wants us to put our hope in him. David says, but I trust in the Lord, which means to rely on his unwavering confidence. God is there for us. He says, then we will rejoice and be glad in his steadfastness, in his steadfast love, rather. Do you know why? This is because God has seen your affliction. God has seen all, your, all of your life's distress. God knows you. God cares about you. He wants to protect you. However, he calls us to put him first. Without putting him first, we, we, we're not going to get that protection. We're not going to get that love. That doesn't mean that God stops loving us. God still loves us. But because we are focusing on other things, we have put a barrier around ourselves that prevents God from coming in. When we put him first, we have a relationship with him based on who he is rather than on what he can provide us with. God wants us first and foremost to have a relationship with him and then everything else will fall into place. He wants us to have intimacy with him. When God created Adam in, in the beginning, Adam was created so that he will have fellowship with God. He says he walked in the garden in the cool of the night of the day with God. That was fellowship. However, when he sinned, that fellowship was broken. Things went wrong. Men got separated from God. And yet God knows man's affliction. Yet God was still merciful to him. We read in verse 9 to 14. Be gracious and compassionate to me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is clouded and weakened by grief. My soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity. And even my body has wasted away because of my enemies. Because of all my enemies, I've, I've lost where I was. Because of all my enemies, I've become a reproach and disgrace, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread of, to my acquaintances. Those who see me on the street run from me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I heard the slander and whispering of many. Terror is on every side. While they schemed together against me, they plotted to take away my life. But as for me, I trust confidently in you and your greatness, O oh Lord. I said, you are my God. So David is realizing that that fellowship with God is gone away from him. And he's crying out to God. And he's asking for grace. He's asking for compassion. He's asking that God hears him and rescues him. And God 
did that, even though he did not do for David, but he did for us by sending his son. And his son became the propitiation for us. It says in 1 John 2, verses 1 to 4, I think it is. It says, my children, which is believers and dear ones, I am writing to you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. If anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is the upright, the just one, the one who conforms to the Father's will in every way, every purpose, every thought, and every action. And that he, that same Jesus, is propitiation for our sins, that is atoning sacrifice that holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise be directed to us because of our sinful nature, our worldliness, and our lifestyle. That, that atonement is not for us alone, but it is for the, the whole world. It is for the sins of all other believers throughout the world. And this is how we know by our daily experience that we have come to him. To come to him means to understand him and be more deeply acquainted with him. I was saying to you earlier on, to have that intimacy with him, that is how you get to know that you are acquainted to him. So if we habitually, that is, focus on his laws and obey them, then we know that we are in him. He says, I have come to know him, but that does not habitually keep us focused that is focused on his precepts and obey. That is, we are keeping his commandments, his teachings. But if you say that you know him and you do not keep his commands and you do not walk according to his way, the Bible tells us that you are a liar and the truth is not in you. But whoever keeps his word, obeys his laws in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. It is completely and richly matured. By this, we know that we are in him. Whoever says he lives in Christ ought to walk and conduct himself as he walked and conducted himself. So there is a lot that we need to do in order for us to walk with Christ. Christ became the ultimate sacrifice so that we no longer have to sacrifice bulls and rams. He took all our sins on the cross. When he hung on that cross and he said, it is finished, he said, it is finished, you no longer need to do anything else. All you have to do is to come to the Father through me and you have got all that you need. We were washed by his blood and our sins were taken away. Our sins were forgiven. So let us therefore walk uprightly with Christ. Let us follow his commands. 
Let us conduct ourselves in the way that Christ did. And in so doing, we are living in him and we are showing that we love him. No matter how deep you might have gotten into sin, Christ's blood washes that sin away. The Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 9 that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, but there is a condition. He doesn't just forgive the sins. We have to take that action to confess our sins. Jesus paid it all, but we have got a part that we need to play as well. So it is up to us to come to him and confess. It is up to us to make that decision, say, right, I am leaving my sin. I'm turning away from it, and I choose to follow Christ. Then his righteousness will dwell in us. It is to him that we put our trust. It is to him that we know that greatness belongs. So to acknowledge him is to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that he is my God. In him will I put my trust. I cried out to you like David did and say, my times are in your hands, O Lord. Rescue me, save me from my enemies and from those who pursue me and those who persecute me. It is only you, God, that can set me free. There is no way that I can run to. There is nothing that can save me but your love, O God. Many of us are facing challenges, all sort of attacks, all sort of uh, uh, different wars that are warring in our lives. You sometimes start a project, you sometimes start something, and for a moment, things seem to be going well. You think, oh, yes, I'm making progress. But suddenly, things go downhill. You take two steps forward, and you take ten steps backward. Why? It's because we are facing battles. It is battles that we, can, we cannot see with our naked eyes. It is spiritual battles. And we cannot expect to use earthly weapons and win those battles. The Lord says the battle is his. He wants to fight that battle for you. You cannot do it on your own strength. You cannot walk the walk alone. You need him to lift you up in, in, in those uh, deep waters. He will lift you up. So when, when the storms come and when the floods come, remember that our lifeguard walks on water. So nothing, nothing is absolutely impossible for him. So allow God to fight for you. Allow God to take charge. And when you allow him to take charge, he does what only he can do. He is God after all. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among nations. And when the children of Israel were faced with the Red Sea and the Egyptians behind them, 
They panicked and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out into this desert to die? Could you not have left us in Egypt and saved as slaves? They forgot all the, the, the wonders that God did in Egypt. But Moses says, these Egyptians that you see now, you'll no longer see again. Just be still and the Lord will fight for you. I am saying to you this morning, just be still and the Lord will fight for you. Whatever it is that you may be going through this morning, bring it to Jesus. And Jesus will fight for you. There may be times where you, you, you try and things don't seem to be moving. The same thing happened to the disciples. In Matthew 17, verse 20, it says, He answered, because of your little faith, that is, you lack, you lack trust and confidence in the power of God. I assure you, and most ceremonies say to you, if you have faith as little as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it is, will, if it is God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Remember that when we ask things, we, we should be asking in God's will. Let's remember that God is God and we come sometimes and we, did, we detect to him what we want him to do. That is not the right way of going about doing it. It is coming to him in his will and saying, let your will be done. So Jesus used this moment to emphasize to his disciples that a person's confidence, a person's confidence, abiding faith combined with God's power can produce absolutely amazing results. If the request is, is in harmony with God, God is capable of fulfilling that at his own time. We tend also to detect to him and say, I want it now. God will give you in a second. However, his second is not your second. His second might be 30 years. So remember that whatever you are doing, you are dealing with a supreme God. God is faithful and nothing is impossible with him. Even Jesus, at his time of need, he cried out to God and he cried in, in his will. Mark 14 verse 36 says, he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, but not your will, but what you will. So he was asking God, he knew what he was going through, and he was asking God that if it was possible, uh, and if it was God's will, and God's will was that he atones for our sins by going to the cross. Jesus could have easily said, Lord, I can't do it. But he submitted to the will of God. And James reminds us, James chapter 3, verse 3 says you ask something and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives 
You ask out of selfishness with unrighteous agenda. So that when you receive what you've asked for, you spend it on your own desires. So let us ask, but let us not ask amiss. Let us ask according to the will of God. Let us ask so that whatever we are asking glorifies God, not glorifies ourselves, not satisfies our own desires. So I'm inviting you this morning, come to the altar and know that Jesus said what we ask we will receive. He said, we knock and the door will be open for us. He said, we will seek and we will find. So whatever your situation might be this morning, I'm inviting you to come to the presence of God. I'm inviting you to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Because if you choose to social distance yourself from God, God will not force himself into your personal space. He says, I've set before you blessings and cursings. I've set before you life and death. Therefore, choose life so that you and your family can live. He gives us the choice. He does not force himself onto us. It's up to us to say, your will be done. He's not going to say, my will be done on your life. But it is up to us to say, your will be done, Lord. And when we say that, then God comes in and his will is done in our lives. Because we have allowed him to work in our lives, then God will work in our lives. So it's up to you this morning to make that decision. It's up to you to know how he loves you. It's up to me to know how he loves me. Chris. The song says, or oh, how he loves you, or oh, how he loves me, or oh, how he loves you and me. What else could he give? He gave it all for me. What else could he give? You might be asking yourself, yeah, I hear all this, but what's that got to do with me? You might be saying, I'm not David. I've not been afflicted the same way as David has been. My challenges are different from David. But I want to encourage you this morning that that same God who David cried to is here for you today. That same God that David spoke to is ready to listen to you this morning. When David said that the goodness of God I will trust in the goodness of God. That goodness is available to you this morning. It says, how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who reverently fear you. 
which you have prepared for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. That same love, that same goodness is here for you today. That situation that you may be going through, that challenge that you may be going through at work, that challenge that you may be going through with different authorities, I want you to know that God says, lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. I want you to know that God is calling you this morning. He says, come to me. I want to comfort you. I want to relieve that stress that you're going through. And you cannot do it on your own power. You cannot do it on your own authority. That is why he calls you on, on Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, and learn from me. For I am gently at heart. I'm gently in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What are you facing this morning? What challenge are you going through? It might be that you are carrying a burden, and you've been wandering around, not knowing what is going, who is going to take off that burden, not knowing how it's going to get off your shoulders. This morning... I would like to invite you to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. I would like to invite you to make that conscious decision to say, I want to lay it all down. I want to take your yoke, Lord, which is easy. I want to take your burden, which is light. It might be that you've never made that commitment. It might be that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you have the relationship, but you've drifted away. I would like to invite you this morning to come back to him, to invite him into your life as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says it is with our hearts that we believe and with our mouths that we confess. And when we do that, we we have that relationship. So he wants to offer you that opportunity this morning. The Bible says, no one knows the hour. And he says, he shall come like a thief in the night. And when he comes, will you be ready? Will you be prepared? If you unsure, then you surely need to sort out things with Christ. Come to him and accept him as your Lord and as your Savior. If that's you this morning, I would like all of us to bow our heads down. And if that's you, I would like you to put your hand up. And I'm giving the same opportunity to you online. If that's you this morning and you do not know I want you to join with us in prayer. You might have drifted away and you, you, you feel you're not making that connection. You are praying, but your prayer is not getting anywhere. If that's you this morning, I would like to pray with you.
God wants to restore that relationship that you once had with him. So let us pray. I want you to pray after me, if that's you. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. I lay all my burdens down at your feet. I've sinned before you, O Lord. But I come according to your word that says you are faithful and just to forgive my sins. And Lord, I confess my sin to you this morning. I ask for your forgiveness. I give my life to you. And I invite you to come into my life and to live in me. I invite you to be my personal savior. I ask you, O Lord, to wash away all uncleanness in me and make me new. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe you have been born again. And connect with us. You can connect with us via the online channels. We have got a website. You can speak to one of us in the building. And God wants to have that relationship with you. God wants to be intimate with you. David finishes off by saying, Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown his marvelous favor and loving kindness to me. And as in a besieged city, as for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard my voice, the voice of my supplications, when I cried to you for help. Oh, love the Lord, all you, his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the arrogant. Be strong. And let your hearts take courage, all you who wait confidently and expect the Lord. Amen. God bless you.